Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Futurist with your hosts, Ben Rohde and Alex Lightman. Each week, we feature a specific aspect of our collective future with action steps you can take to make your own future better and brighter. Our guest experts are top futurists in their field who will remind you that anything is possible. Give us 90 minutes and we'll give you the future. Good morning, beautiful people. Happy inauguration day. I'm Ben, and I am way more excited about this episode than most episodes because I've got two of my favorite people on the planet on the show at the same time. And these are the, the two people I talk to on a regular basis every week. Out of everybody I know, these are the two people that I, I value my connection with so much that I have to talk with many times a week because they both raise my consciousness in different ways. So I've got Al Lightman, my co-host, I'm so honored to be doing a show uh, every week, who is the smartest person that I've ever met by a long shot. And then I've got Andrew Bartzis, the galactic historian, who's the most psychic person I've ever met by far. And the stuff that he talked about is so mind-blowing that I had to ask him to uh, keep it uh, only slightly less mind-blowing for, for this audience just so that um, we do for the full forward four minutes without a deep trance state, which is what happens uh, when you start getting all this galactic information. <laughs> so and we want you to, want you to rock your day today. So this is going to be a great show. I'm so excited. It's uh, it's still the beginning of 2017, and there's been a lot of fear of the Trump election. And uh, one thing Alex was saying is that this is uh, you know pe- more people are afraid right now than have ever been about. Hi Ben, I, I can't hear you at the second, uh, so I'll step in. Um, Ben and I were talking about this before the show. Uh, I put up a, um, a question on Facebook and said that, uh, I, that future historians will look back on the Trump administration and will ask, uh, and I asked to make a one-word summary of that. And I was very surprised that I'm counting up 247 one-word responses that only 19 of them were positive and of those, I, I, that included the word interesting, which is what you say if you go to someone's home and they, and they give you some food and you don't really want to tell them what you think. So you say the word interesting as kind of a placeholder for withholding your opinion. And so what is it that makes people so afraid? Uh, I'm glad that we can talk with Andrew. Uh, Andrew has been our most popular guest in the show. And I found it interesting. Somebody made a YouTube of our previous show and said – uh, um, uh, and posted it, and it had zero dislikes. It's the first thing I've seen on YouTube that had zero dislikes. So, Andrew, uh, just seconds ago, just in fact, as our intro was rolling, Donald Trump uh, raised his right hand and took the oath of office and became the president of the United States. Um, what do you, what do you think of of Donald Trump becoming president of the United States seconds ago? 
Well, we, we find ourselves in an interesting moment. Ha, 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 ha. A moment in time, space, and unique history where I call the separation of densities. The choices that generations have made that have allowed corruption and politics to join hands and merge and create a corporate state of corruption that legalized. And Donald Trump represents the corporate coup d'etat takeover of a government that has been already bought and sold and paid for many decades ago. It usually represents how corporate donors and corporate culture can take over the bureaucratic linguistics of media and government and make a direct challenge to those who are patriots through propaganda and media and the most advanced forms of algorithms that use to predict what people are doing. We find ourselves at a state in history where technology is being used to interpret and predict, just like a psychic would, of what people are going to do, how they're going to react. Even this day's inauguration has its own algorithm of what people are or now are going to do. When Donald Trump raised that right hand, the esoteric community that is behind each and every government since the founding of governments stepped forward and said, you are now part of an esoteric organization that keeps secrets from the rest of the people. Donald Trump is no different than any other president that has been selected. Since President Eisenhower, no president, president has been elected. They have been selected by the elite corporate class since the dawn of our American history. So where are we now with Donald Trump taking this proverbial metaphorical oath? We find ourselves where corporate international culture now meets government subsidies. Very interesting. So uh, how do you think, if you were going to summarize it, that historians will look back on the Trump administration? Um, I, I hear that it's continuity with all the administrations since Eisenhower. But even within those selections, we have uh, differences. So I guess I can ask you um, one, one thing. Um, I, and I've been on a couple of radio shows talking about this. Uh, we have really low interest rates right now uh, with a $20 trillion debt. I think that uh, the, the last time we had statistics available, it was $280 billion. So that comes out to about 1.4% interest. Do you think that interest, will rise, interest rates will rise because of the uncertainty that people are viewing the United States and because um, Donald Trump is talking down the U.S. dollar? He says the U.S. dollar is too high, and so the dollar went up after his election, but it's going down again. And are there any other ways in which you can see in which the world will be voting with its dollars or anything else uh, on the Trump presidency and on how risky or how much they like America? Like what, what, will, what will be the measures, uh, including interest rates but not limiting to it, that the world will be voting in real time on Donald Trump's uh, America? Well, the Fed is ultimately what determines interest rates. And they use quantitative easing and a 0% interest rate for many years of the Obama organization before they tried to raise it and all of the dollar traders worldwide crashed. 
you had a series of flash crashes, you had the Chinese um, market industry have well, lose 10% in a single day just from the raising of a single interest rate. Um, the numbers are so skewed. Anyone that's a economist that knows basic math understands that the fundamentals are so skewed and off that what is in the projection there is um, false information. And then what else can you say? So each time there is a potential of an interest raise, whatever banks are running at a high risk rate and aren't in compliance with the anti-terrorism laws, they will lose their profitability and marketability, which will then they will put their pressure to put the interest rates back to zero. We are in a vicious cycle. When the Fed put the interest rates to zero and tried to create quantitative easing, it was really a secret environment for big banks to trade debt that was commoditized debt or CDO-based debt. So they get to get off their bank sheets and put it on a on a a government bank sheet or somebody else. Like Greece is just a debt holder of Europe, Europe's debt. That's why you know Brexit and Greek, and Greek exit were so vital in the political makeup that's created the Brexit environment. So interest rates itself will, the corporate counterculture and the corporate culture of control will, will battle itself to keep interest rates zero. For as soon as interest rates go up, those that are the high-frequency dollar traders, they will manipulate the field so much that futures and commodities will not have a benchmark to truly base their prices on. And this is a form of economic warfare at the corruption level, at the individual traders of big dollar volumes. So let's look at each of the departments of the government and and make some predictions about what will happen. Uh, let's start with the Department hey, of Alex, Education. Can I, can I ask a, before we change the subject? Um, can I ask a really? I want to ask a question about sure, of about, course, uh, money. Um, so the last, I don't know, three years probably, I've been hearing a lot about an economic collapse coming up, and like you said, the dollar's too high, and there's a, it's a bubble, and everything's gonna, you know, it's gonna be worse than 2008 this time, and and so you know, a lot of what I've been hearing is get your money out of the U.S. And so that was one of the huge things about us creating this community here in Costa Rica is we've got a place for people to come put their money. And, you know, a place where food's taken care of, water's taken care of, housing's taken care of, electricity is, you know, taken care of. We everything's it's green energy. We've got solar power, hydro, all this stuff. So now what, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know you live in the U.S., Andrew. So uh, do, you, do you think that this, uh, this collapse is going to happen? Do you think it's all just more fear-mongering? Do you think it's going to happen in 2017 or 2018 or 2020? Or uh, what are your thoughts on all this? And, and how can we, uh, so how can really, we stay safe? No, we're, really talking, we're really talking about the collapse of the petrodollar and the political organizations yes. and non-governmental organizations that keep it up. I don't believe yep. the petrodollar is going to collapse in 2017 or 2018. I believe that the corporate culture is so ingrained into its form of bribery that the middle management and upper management of the corporate culture is not going to let it happen. The elites that run the petrodollar have already failed in their political campaigns to start wars and terrorism and Zika and all this other stuff that is fear-mongering-based systems. The petrodollar has taken major, major hits. 
I think it really comes down to the other governmental organizations that have, let's just say, a skin in the game when it comes to thinning out what corporate culture is going to put in governmental offices, like the plants, like the turnover in government that goes to corporations. Corporations are going to purposely send people to work in the government so that they have very friendly environments. So the petrodollar will not collapse. What I do think is going to collapse is the commodities industry and the logistics industry. Hanjin shipping is just beginning to show right now in the logistics industry that corporate crumbling of budgets that were based off of getting products to market. Um, there is where the petrodollar and the forecasts and budgets of what the price of oil is going to do. They will attempt to get $80 a barrel oil again. They will attempt to do that. They'll probably even try to go to 100 and that would be strengthen the petrodollar position versus any reorganization of the BRICS. As long as Brazil is com in complete up, uh, disarray with their president going through what they're doing in three-quarters of their cabinet under corruption, BRICS is dead. And there's a lot of people who have a lot of faith and investment that BRICS will come and be the savior. It will not be. It will just be a changing of the Illuminati guard from one to the other. Wow. Okay. Why do we will the place by a, a, a like a cryptocurrency? I doubt it. I still think too many of the secret service CIA's worldwide will make sure that that's available for their own private industries and private contractor industries. You can't run it Why? without a secured backup. Period. Why are we putting so much uh, faith and trust in the Federal Reserve enough to give them a few years ago with no debate a 100-year charter and the petrodollar when, if you look ahead, we can see a future by 2030 in which we don't use fossil fuels. And as you've talked, uh, just mentioned, cryptocurrencies can be started um, by almost anyone. Bitcoin is just one of many currencies, but cryptocurrencies were worth um, in 2008 or so, they were worth uh, at most a few tens of thousands of dollars and now are worth uh, $16 billion. So there's the, the Bitcoin to crypto ratio, which is always between 70 and 90 percent. But um, what, why do we put so much faith in these things that are, that are going to be going, going away? Why, why are these the pillars of our society and why are we not preparing for something different and better to replace it? To be blunt, the Babylonian money magic curse that we all fall under that says human beings are chattel according to all laws, that human beings are commerce according to all laws, that all human beings are valued under, under a, a number at birth when you have your foot stamp or your first <coughs> fingerprint. Every human being is valued with the total potential of all money that they're going to be made, which is the valuation for the petrodollar's um, commoditized 60 to 100-year existence. So the Federal Reserve has been given power during a corrupt act um, in 1913 by uh, Mendenhall or um, the 1913 Federal Reserve Act over Christmas. So it has power because we gave power to the top banking families over a hundred years ago. And there is no single government entity or organization that has any checks and balances 
over the Federal Reserve. So ultimately, we've given the power away, and out of tradition and generational passing of knowledge, they've retained the power and retained the power until Ron Paul wanted to edit the, uh, the, uh, audit the Federal Reserve, but suddenly that was hushed up and put away because if they truly audit that, they will discover that there is much more on the books that were never mentioned. Like you were saying, 20, 20 trillion. I believe it's closer to 200 or 400 trillion in debt. Do you add in all the CDOs and all the other things that corporations have been doing in their money magic process? Well, the chief White House strategist uh, has a video on you can five. Steve is Steve Bannon saying that he believes that the true debt, uh, including the contingent liabilities, is 200 trillion. So the guy who is arguably the most powerful person in the White House, besides Donald Trump himself, uh, agrees with with at least one of the numbers that you just gave, which is ten times the official number. And how about the petroleum, basing our economy on petroleum? Um, one thing that that always baffled me is why the West would base it on petroleum, because if you look at the trillion barrels of conventional reserves that are still in the ground, the 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 U.S. only has about 20 um, billion of those, so 2 percent, and the major oil companies, Exxon, Mobil, and everybody, have only about 150. So they have only 15 percent, while the state oil companies like Saudi Aramco have 850 billion barrels. So they don't have anything remotely like a majority share. And it would just seem to me that that's a very unstable basis for the West, especially since we are now allowing lawsuits from the city of New York from 9-11 families to go after Saudi Arabia. And we're doing basically nothing to, uh, to support the relationship we have going forward. So if we don't really have the oil and we're not even getting along all that well with the people who have the biggest reserves of oil, what are we thinking? Why are we doing this? Tradition, ignorance to tradition, and the corporate and government bureaucratic culture that says oil is the only way, that is supported by government scientists who say oil is the only way, that's supported by corporate culture that puts ads on TV that make people feel good about shale oil, so on and so forth. It is ultimately propaganda that keeps us on the nipple of the petrodollar and on the pet petroleum that's based within it. Um, I was saying before, 200 to closer to 400 trillion. We aren't taking in the, the military-industrial complex's secret banking system, which ultimately the Fed Reserve sheet would reveal. So there's another 200 trillion in that cooked books of the Fed that is intermixed with our actual petrodollar system. I believe there's two per types of currencies running now a corporate military industrial complex cryptocurrency trade, traded amongst the Fed offices that directly give um, contractors, Lockheed, any of those big military industrial complex organizations access to their own crypto dollar that's separate of the books that is being propaganda promoted to the people who consume the information and the benchmarks, let's say, of employment, commodities, values, and so on and so forth. For people, such as in, in any of the banks or any of the trading industries, they need to have benchmarks that they can make forecasts on so they can sell to who? Us. 
when one looks at those benchmarks, ultimately understand that the entire system is propped up, the entire system is a casino, and the bank always wins. So one thing that I heard you say that that, that I think would be an action step to um, actually taking our power back would be to edit the Fed. And I I know that uh, Trump uh, was talking about was talking about that recently uh, with Rand Paul. And so do you think there's any possibility that that's going to happen? And if it did happen, would we be able to actually make some, some changes there? No, no. I think the most important thing anyone can do is understand that there is an energetic projection of control over you and to reclaim your power over the energy of the Babylonian money magic system. You know, there are a variety of ways to name it, to claim it. One of the things that I use on my website, andrewbartsis.com, under the Insight tab, is a revocation for banking and government. One that looks at the esoteric processes and the upfront propaganda process and says, I do not consent. I break all contracts, vows, and agreements. I demand the instant repayment. So the energy body of me is no longer quantumly entangled with what they're trying to force us to believe. That's the first most important step is to name it and claim it within yourself, to take back the power of valuating yourself and not allowing the system to valuate and commoditize you. Because by law, we are chattel. What else can we do to reclaim our sovereignty and to, is the ultimate goal to be enlightened? Is it to be free? What, what is it with your system of, of, oath, um, and in, uh, of oaths and renunciations and not allowing rituals to uh, take control of us? to manipulate us, to, um, to have basically, uh, a friend of mine calls it being under oppression, just simply even yeah. being around people who have very strong personalities. How do we free ourselves of oppression and what's the, what's the end state of your philosophy and way of looking at life? To understand that it is the placebo that empowers the dollar to be where it is right now. And the name and declaim it process is to understand the nature of our own placebo. They are just words that we put our own power to, that we take the power of myth away and do not allow the power of the myth of the dollar, the rand, the cougarand, the the rupee, any of that have any power over the divine co-creative being we are. We are now one thought construct away that is shareable, and not valuable, not not able to be evaluated by the system that can change the entire structure of the way people think. So it's the placebo behind your words and how your placebo empowers your environment so that when you turn a switch on, the light goes on. It is your placebo that says that gasoline engines even work the way that they do. So within the name it to claim it process is the self-contemplation of the nature of our reality, which is placebo-based. This is good. So one thing that happened last episode was I, I said two things. I, the first thing I said was that in order for people to uh, wake up and to start seeing the truth, that the CIA was going to that, – that a big piece of it was going to be the CIA – releasing declassified documents between now and the next 10 years. 
And the other thing that I said was that, uh, well, so I said that, and then three days later, they released 13 million uh, pages worth of documents, right? So, and then the other piece that I said was, I started saying something about, and Alex called me out on this, I started saying something about if, if Trump really was going to uh, make a big difference and be someone that was really new and outside the box and outside the system, then they would probably try to take him out. And Alex said, don't say that, your word creates. And, and so yeah. we took it back, and then the CIA documents were released and Trump is still alive. So, uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think we all need to be much more conscious with our word and, and, and that we all need to become futurists. We all need to say, what, what do I want to create? Not what is right now, but what do I want to create? What would be the best world for me and for those around me? And, and how can we create that? So how can people best create their future for themselves using their word and cast new spells that are more positive and beneficial for them and for everyone else around them? Beautiful question. The big answer is understanding what tacit consent is. The entire public propaganda and esoteric side of government and banking works off of tacit consent and our ignorance and unawareness. You understand what the word, the word tacit consent means and begin to deny it in your energy field and then begin to deny it in your daily life. You understand that government really has no ability to control or do anything or influence you in any way. So how can people do that? Definitions. What does tacit consent mean to you and to Alex? You so have two different levels of education. Yeah, I think of it as basically you've, you've, you're living your life in such a way that you're opted, opted into everything, you know, that automatically it's, it's presumed that you have your agreement. And to live your life in such a way that you're, uh, that you're I mean, you know, that you, sorry, that you, uh, that opt out, that you're automatically included in every kind of control mechanism and you have to actually opt out. Well, and, and instead say, look, I live my life where I'm a free person and I have to opt in. I'm not by default part of any of your systems or scams or programs and so on. That's exactly. My, that's even, my sense of it. Even if you just look at like, like, like you, you, you mentioned earlier, Andrew, even if we just look at our birth certificates, right? Like that is like yep. it creates ourselves as a, a straw man corporation. And then by going into court, and uh, and and saying yes, this is my name, right? We're agreeing to all these rules and, and laws, and we're we're it's our, it's our tacit consent that by using this name that I was given in as the straw man corporation, and and even by like signing our you know the forms at the DMV and signing my forms at the the PO box and signing my forms at at the hospital where it, it, it's both consent and, you know, that, I mean, that's like even more direct consent than uh, like, like me leaving the United States and coming to Costa Rica was like the most clear way of me taking back my tacit consent. Like I no longer consent to anything other than what I am creating for myself up here on the mountain in Costa Rica. Yeah. That is part of your divine, co-creative, organic evolution that is not forced evolution. Yeah. 
So the other part to tacit consent that a lot of people don't realize is the most insidious side of it is once we start giving away our power to tacit consent, just like on when you sign up for a website and their terms and conditions change, tacit consent allows them to change the terms and conditions on their esoteric rituals that are constantly done. Like today is nothing more than a giant Masonic Masonic ritual in which tens of thousands of people ride are doing their own versions of ritual to empower that president to follow their will, not that own presidential will. White House, Whitehall, which is the head of the British organizations of government, and Washington are both esoteric organizations founded in the Masonic order, founded in a magical ritual of projection of power. Awesome. It is uh, our tax. I, I know you have good questions. So, what, uh, Andrew? Um, do you mind if we if we become a little bit more specific by department? Sure. So we have the Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos, who is the sister of Eric Prince, the founder of Blackwater, um, which yep. of course is a mercenary firm. Um, is what what do Very we have to? Uh, how do we wrap our heads around the fact that a person? with no education accomplishments and who has a bachelor's degree, who doesn't know the basic things, uh, but whose brother provided valuable intelligence and disinformation in the last days of the campaign, is Secretary of Education. I ask that in part because I won an award for being one of America's 10 most innovative educators. And I just think about the fact that in some ways, uh, if not many ways, I'm actually more qualified to be Secretary of Education, and there are are tens of thousands of people who are more qualified than I am to be Secretary of Education. Why would we choose someone to be Secretary of Education? I want to put a little bit of a bigger preamble on this in my other questions. My other will be short, but Donald Trump was the host of a television program sponsored by Intel called What's America Worth? And so he went through a narration of what the United States would be worth if we added up everything. And Trump himself, in his own words, in a script that he helped to write, said that all the minerals in the ground are worth about $3 trillion. But he said that the human capital is worth uh, $232 trillion, and our ideas and intellectual property are worth $5 trillion. So it's $237 trillion. And the end number he comes up with for the value of the United States is $280 trillion. So the vast majority of all the value of the United States in human capital, why would he not put a person who's really good in charge of the Department of Education to develop the human capital since he himself is on record with a whole television show saying he thinks that human capital is you know, 85 90% or more of the value of the United States? So let's let actually the nature of your question is to pull back the curtain and see how Oz works. So what happens here is when you put somebody that is uneducated into a, an office there, that's nepotism first. And the, you made you made a statement. We we did not choose that Secretary of Education. A transition team did. I don't think Trump had anything other than a yes or a no to that process. As for the valuation of our intellectual property, once again, that shows the dumbing down of the United States, 
the reduction of our ability to have intelligent children that aren't addicted to video games, so on and so forth. It is keeping the status quo so it can not grow beyond the predictive qualities of the governmental and corporate organizations who are trying to keep us through tacit consent and the placebo at an uneducated level. If we are educated, we will see through the curtain of Oz and understand that the game is rigged at all levels, even at the education level, so that no one can create a thought construct that can be shared internationally or, or globally in such a way that it won't be a value thought construct. It'll be just something that is shared, that goes viral, that changes people's belief. So you put the worst possible scenario in education. So nothing gets done over four years. So is the so I think I understand what you're saying, but I almost don't want to believe it. Are you saying that she is specifically chosen because she will dumb America down? Yes. Well, why would somebody choose? Why would anyone choose that? transition team or not, they're human beings who are Americans. Why would they not want to have somebody who would, you know, who would measure human capital and say, look, I'm going to increase it by trillions of dollars, which, you know, a rising tide floats all boat. Why, why would they not choose that? Because then if you look at the debt that you were saying before, the chattel, don't you want more valuable chattel? No. Who owns the chattel? The Queen of England. America is wholly owned by the by the British court crown. That is true. You look it up. I mean, people may not want to believe it, but that is ultimately true. We don't own us. None of our social security numbers are owned by the United States. They're owned by the Queen of England. Same with Canada. Same with Mexico. They buy and sell our numbers wholesale on stock markets. The same thing with each and every court case out there has a CUSIP number that is traded on the open market. Every speeding ticket, every court case has a commoditized dollar behind it that gives a projection of how long that court case will take, how much the court's going to cost, how much, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Every level of government is that way. So if you put somebody in the education department who will make change, that means all of the other departments that are operating under false science or controlled by an individual corporation that is promoting their own point of view, such as petrodollar or this or that, will ultimately not have their bribery dollars work. How, where do we find out more about this? You will have to go into law and sovereignty studies. This is where you'll learn ultimately who owns the United States and has owned the United States since the 1860s. So I, I've, okay. heard about, I, I've heard about all this stuff before. I, I looked into it probably 10 years ago or something by now, and it's, uh, it, it is one hell of a rabbit hole that you can just keep going down. And so if, uh, for those of you that haven't heard of it, I definitely it, suggest looking it up. I did, a, I did a series of long sovereignty shows about 180 hours with the top 20 law ninjas of the world. Is that available and, uh, somewhere? Let me tell you. Yeah, that's all available on my website or, or on YouTube. Um, just to p- type in my name, uh, Law and Sovereignty Rod Class, um, R-O-D-C-L-A-S-S, and you'll find a variety of things on, on everything that I've talked about 
uh, exactly when it comes to the War Powers Act and, and how um, the actual dollar is not actually a dollar, it's a war dollar. And that we're all illegal aliens in our own country. Every single one of us. And that there's four classes of citizens in the United States, not one. What are those four classes, Andrew? The elite, those that vote, those that can't vote, and those that have had their voting taken away from them. And the military is the lowest class. Wow. Uh, Alex, do you want to stay on this thread, or do we want to start talking about choice points and how oh, people can I'd make like to the best switch choices? To, I'd like to switch to the next department. So, um, and this has a, a slightly shorter preamble. The, the biggest scam of Silicon Valley in recent years is Theranos, started by Elizabeth Holmes, who wore black turtlenecks to make herself look like the female Steve Jobs, the youngest self-made billionaire, uh, uh, the subject of hundreds, if not thousands, of fawning editorials and articles. And Theranos uh, has lost every single um, case it had before the FDA, and I, it's basically all but shut down. And you would think that a person on the board of directors would see this coming and want to be associated with a real company. Um, and you have a board member who was on the board through all this, never warned anybody, never saw any of this thing coming, and he only resigned from the board when he was given an appointment by this transition team selected to be the Secretary of Defense. So how on earth can we give the largest department by budget the Department of Defense with an admitted budget of $666 billion. But in fact, of course, we all know that it's larger than that. How can we give a, such a massive budget to a person who couldn't see the biggest scam? And in fact, even after the scam was revealed in hundreds of publications and every, the game was over, was still there and never said, never apologized, never resigned, said, I don't want to be associated with a scam. Why pick him to be the Secretary of Defense? Because he held the party line through the scam, through everything, because ultimately when someone from Silicon Valley that is in that process, they are firmly integrated into the military-industrial complex and knows that there is a second crypto-dollar system that the military-industrial complex uses. Simple as that. That is why you would put a corporate manager like that over the Department of Defense, because the Department of Defense is completely integrated to all corporate cultures that are part of that military-industrial complex. It's corporate culture coming into government culture. So I think you, you just answered my question in a – that it's because he's willing to keep his mouth shut even when surrounded by um, corruption and not blink, um, that yeah. that in fact was – Sort of, almost as if you're you're proving your real credentials. Yep, to the secret military. I, 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 are you? Are you? You're not. I, I just have to ask. You're not joking. You're serious. Serious. Dead serious. Okay. Well, thank you. You've answered my question. Um, the next thing is the the EPA. You have a person in charge of the EPA who said that he wasn't looking at the laws, and there's a memorable sequence. For, uh, with Bernie Sanders. So in Oklahoma, where the EPA uh, nominee is, um, they are, fra are doing fracking. So I worked my way through MIT as a roughneck in the oil fields, and we use a lot of water. It fills up, we fill up a, a football field um, uh, 
tailing pit with toxic water where nothing will ever grow again. And fracking, or unconventional oil and gas uh, development, uses much more water. So instead of one to two million gallons, you're using five to ten million gallons. So fracking is just treating water as if it's free and treating the disposal if it's free. And Oklahoma has had hundreds of earthquakes, and it, it contains Cushing, Oklahoma, a little town of 9,000 people. That's the pipeline interchange. And if you destroyed the Cushing pipeline interchange, you would cause serious disruptions for the U.S. economy. And the frackers there are such dunderheads that they are causing earthquakes that has damaged the pipeline interchange. So Bernie Sanders is asking uh, about that, and the EPA nominee says that he's concerned, Pruitt, and he says, but did you actually speak out in public against this? And he, you know, he, he just uses a word salad, which is basically no. So how on earth can we put a person in charge of the EPA who's against the EPA, even though if they were actually following the law, they wouldn't be potentially destroying the pipeline interchange and costing the United States and the oil and gas industry a trillion dollars. It just seems like, you know, uh, personal selfishness taken to the absolute extreme with the, the looking out for their own personal interest at the expense of the whole, yet he's asked to look out for the good of the whole. W- what's going on here? So we've got about two and a half minutes left on the show, and I do want to get to uh, Alex's uh, things that – I'm sorry, Andrew's things that people can do for themselves over 2017. Andrew, I know we're just going to have to have you on again really soon, but um, you got about two minutes left. The real answer to Alex's last question is nepotism at the highest layers. The EPA has – I think 90% of all its employees came from the industry itself. So most of them are plants that are causing other corporations' projects to be held up in red tape and bureaucratic linguistics and compliancy to anti-terrorism laws. So you have a manager that's going to come in and selectively allow other companies to leapfrog forward against all the other ones during the uncertainty of the petrodollar. That is ultimately why that type of collective manager would be put into that EPA office, because it's the EPA that ultimately handcuffs the majority of choices that corporations make. So at the end here, what I want to do is I want to read something real quick, and which is, what is a choice? Each choice has a sub-choice within a set of choice points that creates a subconscious map of adherence of choices that help define our reality. The reality is based on all of our choice points combined in the ever-present moment of now. Can you ultimately see the relation of choice and reality functions? If you change, you can change the reality functions and choice point orders to to manifest multiple choice point sets that override, outcreate, or disregard the previous set of choice points if you should choose. You do this every day you go to work and live without the fullness of your being present as a slave job. Now, can you flip the table of understanding to take advantage of choice in the ever-present moment? Engage your genius and not your sub-genius. Make a clear separation of what is your genius and your sub-genius. From there, it's as easy as making a choice for what you want for breakfast. So there are a greater set of choices one can make that allows their, their placebo to make changes within their own life. So if you go to my website, andrewbartis.com, and you see the top of the page, you'll see a tab that says Insights. 
you'll see seven uh, insights that are there, and one of them is called the Union and Communion Collective Consciousness Strike. And it is a word uh, conjugation process that engages our placebo to disengage at a higher level of thinking how we tacit agree, how we allow forced evolution to be a part of our lives. And it is written in what I call the sacred neutral point of view. So it takes the most harshest subjects of charge and polarity and reduces them into a way to say no with still love behind your frequency that allows others to become the signature frequency match for communion, union, and peace. That is ultimately what each and every sovereign heart-based being in this world wants, is a way to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the true message behind the spirit of what the United States was meant to be. Ultimately, it is not that anymore. It is a world of tacit consent that will change faster than you can blink your eye or have a bite to eat. We now come to a moment where our esoteric process, our secret internal functions of our internal dialogue have the greatest power over this reality. You can change it at any moment in time. A choice to become a signature frequency match for the non-distortion with the mantle of responsibility equal to one's own level of awareness. Your level of awareness will determine what tacit consent